0: Thank you for listening to Devoted. We meet every week on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. at Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim. We'll post it and try to make it uh, remind you guys.
1: Um, let me pray for us and then we could get into it. Before I do that, just kind of the format. I'm going to talk, uh, hopefully briefly. Try to be brief. I'm not very good at that. The people from Devoted are laughing. Um. But, yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief, and then Josh is going to come up, and he's going to share some actual uh, techniques for sharing your faith. I'm kind of the motivational speaker. I'm just going to kind of motivate you guys to share your faith. He's going to come and actually teach you guys. So, uh, But let me pray for us, and then I uh, can okay, get on with it. God, uh, we do thank you. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you that you're here, Lord. I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray you'd encourage us, edify us, and comfort us. Lord, I, I thank you that you've called all your disciples to, to be evangelists, to go forth and share their faith, and, uh, and, and what a privilege that is, Lord. And so I pray tonight that you would move us to want to do that, you would equip us to do that, and you would bring people into our path uh, to do that too, Lord. Um, it's amazing that we have this opportunity. We want to make the most of it. We want to glorify your name. We want to be like you, Jesus. The Bible says that you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And, uh, and we want to be like you. We have your spirit in us. and uh, So that means we're going to want to do the same thing. So help us to do that. We pray for this event, Lord. I pray that you bring people. I pray that uh, you bring people that need to hear the gospel, and they hear the gospel, and people get saved, Lord. But most of all, we're praying that you change our hearts uh, through this. Give us a, a heart that reflects yours, a heart for the lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Also, I know some of you guys haven't been up here before. If you have to use the restroom, it's through that door where the exit sign is and to the left. Feel free to get up and do that. We've got some refreshments over here if you want. And on the back table, there's some evangelism materials. So if you, uh, you want to take some and pass them out during the week, try to use some of the stuff that we're talking about before the event, I would highly recommend doing that. So again, I'm going to share a little bit. Josh is going to share, and we'll have some time for some questions at the end. But what is Beach Preach? Why are we doing Beach Preach? Um, I mentioned that there's a group that I kind of shepherd that meets here on Tuesdays called Devoted, and I was really praying and seeking the Lord about what we need to do for Devoted. What do the people from Devoted need to reach their potential in following Christ and serving Christ? And I kept being prompted by the Lord that that we need to be more involved in evangelism. We need to be more involved in sharing our faith. And so I I tried to come up with ideas and ways to do that by by going out. And there there was obstacles. You know, uh, people were intimidated. Uh, We would have a a large group show up, but no one had any experience doing it before. And I can't have a group of 10 people following me around. Uh, It's kind of intimidating to the people we're talking about. And so there was just practical uh, difficulties that we had in doing that. Um, and so, so I was really burdened for my people, saying, hey, this is we, we need to be better at this, and trying to think of a way to do that. And I came up with this idea for Beach Preach, and I talked to, to Josh. He has a group called Man Up, and Pastor Ryan and Ignited and said, hey, why don't we do this? And this way we could get a whole lot of the people experience and, and let them taste and see that they could be a part of Sharing their faith all at once, and, and see what the Lord wants to do. See how he want how he wants what he wants to birth out of it. And they all thought that was a great idea. You know, Josh is all about evangelism. Ryan wanted to be a part of it with Ignited. Uh, he couldn't, but Ignited's still going to be a part of it. And and so that's kind of how Beach Preach came about. So what Beach Preach is is we're going to meet at the beach and and we're going to. To preach! We're going to tell as many people as we can about the Lord Jesus, and we're we're trying to take every avenue we can, use every talent that we have to do that. So there's going to be a prayer tent. We're going to need people to pray with people. There's going to be uh, open air preaching. There's going to be some break dancers. There's going to be a worship team. We might have some dramas going on. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue. Be giving out free hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff like that to attract people. And and all of that to to tell them about Jesus, right? And and, and so we need people to come and and to to step out in faith and approach people and tell them, you know, what Jesus is is to them. That's the whole point of it. So that's what Beach Preach is. Um, I guess we could start here. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 20, the Great Commission. We know this. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now this is the the Great Commission. It's often called the Great Omission. But uh, uh, it's a sin, really. Because here Jesus isn't suggesting that we take part in the Great Commission. It's a command. He says, make disciples of all nations. That's in the imperative mood. He's commanding you to go and make disciples. And part of that is bringing people into the kingdom, telling people who, who Jesus is so that they could be saved and, and become disciples. And then you can make them disciples. But he, he hasn't left this to himself, right? He says, I will be with you till the end of the ages. And he has all authority, right? So that's, that's very comforting. We're going to go out and try to tell people about Jesus. And, and I know that's scary, but imagine that, that Jesus is right there with you. He says he's going to be with you. And he says he has all authority over everything that's going on. So there's really nothing to be afraid of. In John chapter 20, he's in the upper room. He's appeared to the disciples. And he says basically the same thing. He says, just as the Father sent me, I now send you. He he gave them the same commission that the Father gave him, to come to the earth and to seek and to save that which was lost. And and then he says, I'm going to give you the, the Spirit. He blows the Spirit on them. And it says, if you forgive any sins, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. So this spirit is specifically for the purpose of missions. It's it's to tell people about who Jesus is. What other context are we telling people that their sins are forgiven or they're not? It's when we're sharing the gospel. And he specifically equipped us through his spirit to do that. And I want to tell you that right now you have everything that you need to go out and to share your faith, right? I, I know on Sunday, Pastor Bob talked about uh, how, you know, the, the first disciples, they had to wait, right? Jesus had appeared to them in Acts 1 for 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, wait, you're, you're not ready to go out and do the mission yet, right? But you will become my witnesses. You will receive power when my spirit comes upon you. and You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And then 10 days later on Pentecost, that was fulfilled. The Spirit came upon them, and and they started witnessing. People started getting saved. But that was a a unique instance in redemptive history where they had to wait for the Spirit because Jesus had to ascend to the Father for the Spirit to come. Well, Acts 2 has already happened. Pentecost has already happened. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God. You have everything you need to go and share the gospel with people. You don't have to wait for some secondary experience. You don't have to wait till you feel like it. You don't have to wait till you know like this is the perfect time. No, you have everything you need, and God's Spirit will lead you to share your faith. And I want to say this. It, it, evangelism really is, is for everybody. It's it's for every believer. And and I could prove that in scripture. If you look in remember in, in Acts 1, right? I just mentioned it in verse 8. God said, Jesus says that when my spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Right? The, the Holy Spirit fell in Acts 2. And the disciples, they, they started doing ministry, and things started exploding in Jerusalem. But they wouldn't get outside of Jerusalem. They were comfortable right there. And so God allowed this guy named Saul of Tarsus to come and start persecuting the church, so much so that they all scattered. That's Acts chapter 8. And listen to what verse 1 says. It says, Saul was in hearty agreement with them, putting him, Stephen, to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. It was the ordinary believers that were going out throughout Judea throughout Samaria. And they were the ones preaching. They were the ones taking the gospel. They were the ones expanding the church, expanding the kingdom of God. It wasn't the apostles. It was ordinary believers, just like you and me. right? So, so God wants to use everybody. He wants everybody to be a part of this great commission. You know, we need to do it. We, we need to take place in it because we need to be obedient to Christ, first of all, right? He commands us to go forth and make disciples. Secondly, it's our greatest purpose to do evangelism. It really is. Think about it. When we get to heaven, there's only two things that we can do now that we won't be able to do in heaven. First of all, we, we won't be able to walk by faith, right? Some special privilege we have right now to walk by faith through difficulties and through hardships, but also to share our faith, because there won't be any unbelievers in heaven. It'll only be believers there. So so our purpose right now on this earth is to share the gospel. That's why God has us here. He could have, the second we got saved, just taken us to heaven to be with him. But no, he has a greater purpose. He wants to walk with us and he wants to use us, has his hands and feet to, to take the gospel to people, to be a part of people's eternal salvation. So it's our greatest privilege. I also believe this, that evangelism, taking a part in evangelism, is evidence that we're actually saved. I, I, I really believe that. And I believe that the the contrary is true too. That if you're not saving your faith, sharing your faith, then it might be evidence that you're not really saved. What do I mean by this? Well, how do you know that you're a Christian, right? What is the defining mark of somebody that's a Christian? It's somebody that's had regeneration happen in their life, according to Acts, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter eight. It's somebody who has the Spirit of God. In Romans 8, it's mentioned both negatively and positively. In Romans 8, 9, it says, however, you're not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him. So if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're in the flesh and you're not saved, according to Paul. And then here in the positive, Acts 8:14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So the evidence that you are a Christian is you've been born again, you've been regenerated, and you have the Spirit of God in you. This is exactly what Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? You are the Holy of Holies. You have the Spirit of God in you, taking it where you go. And now I want you to think about this with me right here. What, What did Jesus do when he came here? Right? Uh, Luke nineteen nineteen is, is his purpose statement. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. What is the Spirit's job? What is the Holy Spirit? When Jesus said, I'm going to send the Spirit, what did he say the Spirit would do? In John 16, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment and point them to Jesus. Right? So, so if we have the Spirit of Christ, if we have this, the Holy Spirit inside of us, wh- wh- what is that going to do in us? It's going to cause us to want to seek and to save that which is lost, to point people to Jesus. And and if we're not doing that, I I don't know that we have actual evidence that the Holy Spirit is in us. At some point, if you're born of God, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you're going to want to start sharing your faith. And I'm thankful you guys are here. I'm thankful you guys want to take part in Beach Priest. Some of you guys have already done this. Some of you guys, you know, you're going to mature. You're going to see yourself, uh, have greater evidence, greater confidence of your salvation, through doing this. But it's also about discipleship. I I, I really believe this, that uh, discipleship, so much of it is tied to us sharing our faith. This is why it's so important to me that the people (coughs) from Devoted are involved in sharing their faith. I've led many groups, and uh, and I've led different groups that go out and do evangelism at different times. And I could say this, and I'm sure Josh would second it. I'm, I'm sure Pastor Bob would say the same thing that the people that are active in sharing their faith are the ones that are growing the most. They're the ones that are progressing in sanctification. They're the ones that are you know, uh, having the, the biggest spiritual growth in the shortest amount of time. And, and I think there's reasons for that. You see, when we evangelize, we're growing in obedience. right? Jesus commands us to share our faith. Jesus commands us to take part in the Great Commission. And and, and that's essentially what discipleship is, is learning how to be obedient to the Spirit of God, being obedient to Jesus. But we also grow our faith. Uh, We grow in the spiritual realm because we become more like Jesus. We're doing what Jesus did, right? Jesus came to to preach the gospel, (laughs) right, to preach the kingdom. Also, I'll say this, that evangelism protects our own hearts. You know, a a few months ago I was preaching a lot about the 144,000 in the book of Revelation. And one of the points I made was that uh, they knew that they were priests, right? Because you see where they're introduced there in Revelation 7. uh, There's a list of the 12 tribes, and Levi is listed in that tribe. And I said after Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn, Levites, they had no more special privilege as priests because now everybody's a priest, right? And so this 144,000, one of the reasons they were able to be so successful throughout the tribulation period was that they saw themselves as priests, and 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 I think that this does a ton to, to protect our own hearts because uh, what is a priest? Well, it's the, it comes from the Latin word pontifex, which really means bridge builder, right? It's somebody who builds a bridge between two things. Here it's between God and man. So so a priest is representing God before man, right? We're ambassadors of God to the world and also man to God. We're, we're praying for this world. So now all of a sudden, when I see things that grieve me or things that would make me angry or hard-hearted when I see, you know, the guy in front of Albertson smoking crack while I walk by him to walk into the store. Rather than getting angry, rather than looking down on him, I'm praying for him. I'm taking him to God in prayer. I'm looking for an avenue to take the gospel to him. You see, so so just having this mindset of doing evangelism, having this mindset of being on mission for God is going to do a whole lot to protect our own hearts. Jesus says that in the last days, Lawlessness is going to increase, and because of that, the hearts of many are going to grow cold. So, so one of the ways that we're going to protect ourselves from our hearts growing cold is to be active in the Great Commission. You know, Every time you share your faith, God is honored by it. He's glorified by it. it. It's not really about the results. It's about being faithful with the message. The results are up to God. Think about Jeremiah. He preached for 50 years. How many converts did he have? Two in 50 years. But he was faithful. He was faithful with the message. And that's all God's asking for us. On the last day, we're not going to hear, well done, good and successful servant. No, it's well done, good and faithful servant. All God's asking you to do is be as faithful as you can in taking the message to the people he puts in front of you. We're like the pizza delivery guy. We don't create the pizza. We don't consume the pizza. Our job is just to take the pizza that was given to us to who it needs to go to, right? And and that's what we're going to be judged on, is our faithfulness in doing that. And I also believe this, that every encounter, every time, every person that we speak to is a divine encounter, right? We we try to think of these divine encounters as, man, it was like set up perfect, and we hit it out of the park, and the person received Christ, and everything was just perfect, right? Well, Well, that's true, but every encounter, everybody that we speak to, is a divine encounter. You know why? If you're spirit-led, if you're being led by the Spirit of God, if you're full of the Spirit of God, it, it literally means that you're under the influence of the Spirit. Right? And and we're going to pray. We're going to go out. And, and I trust that we're going to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to be led by the Spirit. We're going to be under the influence of the Spirit. So the Spirit's going to lead you in a supernatural way that seems natural to us, to the people that we need to talk to. And we're gonna share the message. And I don't know what's gonna happen there, but I could trust that it's gonna be a divine appointment because the Spirit is leading us to share the message with that person. Now they might respond in a favorable way, praise God. They might not. You know what? That's just gonna show that's just God using you to show his love for his enemies. That's what happens when they reject your message. You're God's agent showing God's love to the people that hate him, the exact thing that we're called to do. Also, this spirit that's leading us, he's going to help you, right? Jesus hasn't left us to our own power. He's going to bring to remembrance the things that Jesus had said to you. He's going to lead us in the way that we communicate and talk with the people that we talk to. I want to also encourage you this. You don't have to be perfect right? You you don't. It's okay if you mess up. It's okay if you say the wrong thing, right? It's okay if you don't have an answer for people. Just say, I don't know, right? Maybe the person who's with you might know. Maybe you could go to somebody else, or maybe you could get their phone number or their email or something and say, I'll find out, and and then you have this ongoing conversation with them. But it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't don't know all the answers, but I know the one who does. I know the book that you could go to to find the answers, that's okay. God also knows your frame. He remembers that you're but dust. He knows that you're, you may just be getting starting out doing this, and he doesn't expect you to be great comfort right off the bat. He's just honored that you are doing it. Did you know that 90% of the people that are led to Christ are, are led there by somebody who's been a Christian for less than one year? I mean, that's a pretty amazing statistic, right? So the very reasons you don't think that you may be ready or effective in evangelism, might just be the very thing that does make you effective in evangelism. It's people like me that want to complicate it and confuse people and all of that. <laughs> right? So, yeah, I, I also you have a very unique story. right? You have a, a very unique background. And God's going to lead you to people that need to hear from your perspective, that need to hear from your background. You know, when I was in the world before I was saved, if Pastor Bob came and, and tried to talk to me, there was no way I would ever listen to him. First of all, he was an ex-cop and I hated the police. Second of all, you know, he, he was a pastor that just, those, those are two things that I avoided every bit, right? God had to reach me through my drug dealer, right? That's how gone I was, right? But God had somebody with unique circumstances and a unique background, that was tailored to take the message to me and, and reach me where I was at. And I trust that God has a unique background, a unique story, unique circumstances in each one of your lives that people out there need to hear from. There's people that you can minister to that, that nobody else can because of those things. So uh, I want to just give a couple approaches some that I could think of, ways that we could start. Or initiate conversations I know that, that that's kind of the hard part right as you know we, we could have all the, the training, we could have all these techniques and that, but how do we actually start a conversation? How do we go up to somebody and, and, and kind of get the ball rolling? That's kind of the hard part. Um, there's an approach that's called the, the springboard approach right and, and and this goes with a lot of the other approaches as well. The springboard approach is, is what Jesus used in John chapter four. Remember, he, he's there at a well, and the woman comes, and he says, hey, give me something to drink. I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty, right? And and the woman says, hey, uh, you know, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. But he uses this, hey, give me something to drink. I'm thirsty as a way to springboard or to launch into talking about spiritual things, right? And so, so one of the things is to just start conversations with people and look for a way to then take that and spring it and talk about something that is spiritual. So you're at the beach, right? And you're talking and you go up to someone and say, hey, it's great. Isn't it a great day here at the beach? And they're like, yeah, I just love being in the sun. And you say, yeah, it's great being in the sun. But you know what's better than being under this sun? is being under the sun, right? Now you you launch into talking about Jesus. Or, or you point to the sand and, and say, how many grains of sand do you think are out there? If you had to guess. Well, guess what? God told Abraham that he would have descendants as many as the grains of the sand. Are you one of his descendants? And now you're you're talking about evangelism, right? You're you're, you're taking things that are there in front of people and everyday things, and you're using that to spring and talk about spiritual matters. Another approach is uh, you you can, uh, I like to call this, you, you compliment people, and then you ask them questions. Right, th- this works really well, right, because w- there's two things that most everybody loves. First of all, they love to be recognized, and secondly, they love to talk about themselves, right? And, and so you, you go up to someone, and, and you compliment them, and then you start asking them questions about themselves, giving them opportunities to talk about themselves. The, for instance, I, I, was, uh, I was out walking my dog, and I saw this lady rocking her dog, and, and I went up and I started talking to her, and I was like, hey, that's a, that's a beautiful dog you got there. And, and, that, and she's like, yeah, you know, and started telling me all about her dog. And I'm asking questions, and I'm like, you know, it seems like your dog really loves when you take it on a walk. I mean, it looks really, really happy. It looks like it's just full of joy, right? And, and she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's his favorite thing and all of that. And I said, you know, that, that's kind of how I feel walking with the Lord, the way that your dog looks. And she looks at me all weird, and it's like, yeah, there's so much joy. It's so happy just walking with the Lord, knowing that the Lord's with me. And, and, and I use that then to kind of springboard to talking about the gospel. You could also just take like a straight-up approach. I often will do this, where I'll just walk up to somebody and say, hey, my name is Joe, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not here. I'm a Christian. And I'm trying to tell people about the gospel, trying to tell people about Jesus. Do you mind if I talk to you for a few minutes? You know, surprisingly, there's a lot of people that will say yes. A- another thing you could do is, is just go up to people and ask them, hey, can I pray for you? Right? People, people are open to that. Everybody's hurting in some way. We live in a broken world. And, and a lot of people are, are actually open to that. Even unbelievers, you know, ask for prayer. And so I say, hey, how could I pray for you? I want to pray for you. God has me out here just walking around praying for people. I want to pray for you. And you'll be surprised what that will lead to. Another thing you could do is, uh, is surveys. In the back on the table there, I've got a, a, a few different surveys, just a few short questions. You could walk up to people and say, hey, I'm out here. I'm doing this project. I'm, I'm taking these surveys. Mind if I ask you you know, these three questions real quick? And... You know, you can make your own. You could use one of the ones we have. But, you know, these are preset questions that you could ask that will then lead you into talking about the gospel, talking about spiritual things. This way you don't have to – I would recommend this if you're not real confident to go and talk to people, right? Because you've got an easy in. You say, hey, you know, I'm taking this survey. It's a preset questions. And then from there you could do whatever you want. You could just pass out tracks." You, there's a million unique ways. There, there's no right or wrong way to do this. There was a guy I knew. Uh, he actually worked at the Bible College. And this guy this guy was pretty cool. He yeah. actually had a, a Schwinn bike that he just covered in pennies. Like literally every, every single millimeter of this bike was covered in pennies. And he had a suit that was just completely covered in pennies. And he would go there and stand next to his bike and let people come to him and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you wearing this? Why is your bike covered in pennies? And he's, he says, he had, a, he, he had a counted how many pennies were, were on his thing. And he says, because it says, in God I trust, you know, 10,000 times on me or something. Could you say that you trust in God? You know, and, and that was his springboard into sharing the gospel. A, a, a great question you could ask is, if, if, God, if you could ask God for one miracle and have it granted to you today, What would you ask for? You see, that's a diagnostic question. Because the answer that they give you is going to tell you a whole lot about them and where they're at with their relationship for the Lord. So it's good to have a few of these diagnostic questions thought out that you could ask that will reveal these, these things to you. I think it's important that we remember that there's all these benefits in our discipleship to do this. It's a way that we are obedient to Christ. It's it's a huge blessing to share our faith. And that means that, that Satan's gonna attack it. Right? He's gonna do everything he can to keep you from doing it. Right? Now you're you're gonna be a frontline soldier. You're gonna have a target on your back. And Satan's gonna try to keep you from being effective. But it's okay. We could expect the attack. We could be ready for the attack. We could armor up right? We don't have to let his voice prevail. We could remember, no, God's got a stronger voice, and God is telling me to go. God is with me. He has all authority in the world, and he's with me to the end of the ages, right? I I don't have to listen to the devil. What does James say? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Stand up to him and say, no, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to be effective, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Don't let him discourage you. Don't let him keep you from doing what Christ wants you to do. Don't let him keep you from the blessings that Christ wants to give you. If I could have one piece of advice, though, for you guys on how to prepare you for this, how to get you the most ready in less than two weeks for what we're doing, I would say this, spend as much time in this book during the next two weeks as you can. I know this, the more that I'm reading the Bible, the more often I'm sharing the Bible. Hands down, that correlation in my life, 100%. There's this survey, it's called The Power of Four. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It came out probably 10 or 12 years ago. But it looked at Christians who weren't sharing their faith at all. And it had them start, or weren't reading the Bible at all, I'm sorry. And and they started reading the Bible. And they found that if you started reading the Bible or you're engaged with the Bible once a week, there really wasn't, much difference in your walk. You started reading it or engaged with it twice a week, still not much difference. Three times a week, you really couldn't see much difference in people's lives. But once you hit four times a week, you start reading the Bible more days than you don't. And this includes coming to church and hearing preaching, things like that. There was just drastic changes in people in positive ways. First of all, they stopped doing things that they shouldn't be doing. People getting drunk, it went down by 57%. Sex outside of marriage went down by 68%. The viewership of pornography went down by 61%. Gambling went down by 74%. But it wasn't just that they stopped doing the things that you're not supposed to do. This group that started reading the Bible four times a week started doing the things that you are supposed to do as a Christian. For instance, people started sharing their faith, 228 percent more. People started discipling others, 231 percent more. People started memorizing scripture, 407 percent more. You, you know, it's it's true. What goes in is what's going to come out. Right? If, if, if all you're doing is taking in Fox News, that, that's what's going to come out. Right? If, if all you're doing is binge watching Netflix, you know, that's what's going to come out. If you're taking in a whole lot of scripture, that's what's going to come out when you talk to people, right? So my encouragement is, hey, spend as much time in this book as you can from now until then. And I guarantee you that God's spirit will move. God will use you in ways that you can't even imagine. So with that said, I'll let Josh come up and do the actual teaching on how uh, we are to share our faith. We'll have a time at the end where you guys could ask questions too, so.
0: A lot of us make it out to be. It should be something that is really thrilling and exciting, even if you get rejected. So you guys got these papers, and there's two sides to it. So if you could go to how to share your nutshell personal testimony side, that'd be great. So let's go to that first. And, you know, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he says, Timothy, preach the word in season and out of season. And he also told Timothy... Do the work of an evangelist. So like Joe said, you may not feel like an evangelist. You may not have a title like in Acts chapter 8. Philip was called Philip the Evangelist. And the body of Christ, there's prophets and teachers and shepherds and evangelists. But we're here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so me, by the grace of God, as an evangelist, I'm here to help you do the work of an evangelist. So you can do it because God has commissioned you and you and you and me and all of us to do the great commission. The power is in the message, not in the messenger. The power is by the Spirit of God, not in your personality. So you got to come to grips with that. It's like it's not about you being charismatic. It's not you being a, a, a salesman for Jesus. You're selling Jesus to people, and you got to be this really dynamite guy. Like you knock on the door, hey, I'm here to sell knives for you, and like look at this shiny one. Like we're not a salesman for Christ. It's it's irregardless of your personality and your charisma. Um, the Spirit works through the foolish, and he works through the weak, and he works through the pathetic, and that's us. That's what Paul says. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, the foolish to shame the wise. So we're all qualified to evangelize. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission, like Paul, like uh, sorry, Joe just read, Jesus commissioned all the disciples, all 11 of them there. He commissioned all of them. And guess what? All of them were martyrs for Christ, except for John, who they couldn't kill. He kept living, and he wrote the book of Revelation. And so my point is, Jesus did not pull aside Peter, James, and John, the usual three, and got his little holy huddle and talked to them. He told all 11 of them. What does that mean? Well, there was probably introverts in there, shy people, people like some of you in here may like, I don't feel comfortable going to a person talking about God. Well, I guarantee you there was a few of those in the disciples, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out, boldly preached the gospel, and all of them died a horrible martyr's death. So all of you guys have a story. You have a testimony You have a story to share about how God saved you, and you look at, Joe also mentioned the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus goes to her, and he shares with her that he's the living water. She gets saved, and do you know that she went back to her town, and many people in her town believed because of the woman's testimony. A brand new Christian (laughs) goes back to her town, and it wasn't probably very articulate. It was more probably like the blind man in in John 9. I was once lost. I'm found. I was blind. I can see. I don't know what to say, but this man named Jesus changed my life and people got saved because of her testimony so you have a story i don't have a cool testimony personally my testimony is very plain and boring it's not like i got you know hopped up on all these drugs and i was drunk and i was sleeping around and i was in a gutter and this guy came and took me dragged me to church and smoking weed on the way to church and whatever like that's not my story that's some of your stories maybe but not mine Mine is a very cookie-cutter, boring story, but it is a story, and it's a powerful story because God saved my life. And I'm going to share it with you really quick, but if you look at the three segments in sharing your testimony, you see there's before Christ, coming to Christ when you got saved, and then what's your life been like after Christ. So that's kind of the basic format on how to share your testimony. Now listen, a lot of us have been to church most of our lives, at least I have, and if you've been to church and you've listened to people share their testimonies in a church setting, it's usually like this 30, 40, 50-minute story. And uh, that's not what we're going for here. Like I said, it's the nutshell testimony. So learn how to condense your story. So you have a little paper here. Don't just read this tonight say, oh, that was nice, and throw it in the garbage. Like, take this on, read it over and over and over and over again, and I encourage you, write out your testimony with this paper. There's little slots you can write your testimony. Some of you in here already took my evangelism class for the school of discipleship, so you know what I'm talking about. But I encourage you, know how to articulate your story. I'm going to tell you how to do that right now. So let's just go with my story. What was my life like before Christ? So I grew up in a Christian home, born and raised with Christian parents. I went to a Christian school from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Um, I was immersed in Christianity. I went to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, and I went to three services on Sundays. Uh, That's right, three services on Sundays. And uh, I was immersed in Christianity. I went to Bible camp every summer and VBS camp and... You know, I went to chapel every Wednesday at school and Bible class every day at school and Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus personally. It's a huge difference. And uh, in that in that life of me thinking I'm a good Christian, I go to church and I check the boxes of what a Christian is. I attend church. I have a Bible. I know some verses. I know Jesus died on the cross for me. He rose again. I know that. But I wasn't saved. And it wasn't until I was 13 years old. So now I'm transitioning from talking about my life before Christ into becoming a Christian. so, And I went to a church camp when I was 13 years old. I thought I was a good Christian, and my uncle was preaching the gospel, and it just hit me at that moment. I heard the gospel hundreds of times, if not probably over a thousand times in my entire life up until that point. But at that point, it became real to me because I realized my life is not right with God. The Holy Spirit was convicting me and exposing my sin and i realized how dishonorable i was to my parents you know the commandments say honor your father and mother i was incredibly disrespectful to my parents and uh, i was a virgin till i got married but jesus says if you look with lust with your eyes you commit adultery in your heart and i had done that plenty of times uh, up until you know i got saved and even after getting saved you have to put that to death in your life as a man but up until that point i thought i'm a good person i've never committed adultery never but if i lust with my eyes i've committed adultery and I hated people at times. And Jesus says that's, that in anger towards people at times, it says in the um, Sermon on the Mount that you're committing murder in your heart. So we're going through some of the commandments, if you can tell right now. So I know I, I violated those commandments, guilty as charged. I lied to people. Thou shalt not lie. And I, I didn't really have a desire for God, to be honest. It was just more going through the motions, going to church. And, and then my uncle is sharing the gospel that you need to repent. You need to leave your sins. You need to trust in Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. And so at that point in my life, I realized I am not right with God. And I realized it came to my understanding that no matter how many times I went to church, how many times I opened my Bible, that that didn't save me. That I wasn't right with God because of good works and good deeds and going to church and checking off little boxes for God. That I was far from God. My sins created a huge gap between me and God. And I realized at that point in my life when I was 13, if I died of my sins, I would have justly gone to hell because I was guilty as charged. That's the punishment I deserve. And the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And so at that point I realized that. But I understood my uncle shared Jesus died for you personally, shed his blood on the cross, rose from the dead. And you need to trust in him, not in yourself, to be saved. You need a personal relationship with Christ. And so like I said, I knew about God, but I didn't know God personally. So I put my trust in Jesus to save me from my sins. And then, now we're transitioning to the last part. When I put my trust in Christ and, and, and turned from my sins by receiving him as my, as my Savior and Lord, um, God gave me a new heart. He took my heart of nasty, wicked sin, a, a stony, rock heart of disgusting sin, and he, he did a heart transplant on me. And he gave me the Holy Spirit. I became born again, and I had these new desires. I actually wanted to go to church. I didn't want to fall asleep in church. I wanted to listen to the preacher. I wanted to read my Bible. And I wanted to share the gospel with people. It was no longer, oh, i got to do this. i got to go to church. I know I'm supposed to, but I don't really care to. It's like I get to go to church. I get to read my Bible. My life has been radically changed because I'm now going to heaven, not hell. I'm now in a relationship with Christ, and, I, and, and there's a God who loves me, and I'm adopted into his family. And to as many as received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. And I was born again because Jesus saved me when I trusted in him, not in myself. Right there, there you go. That was maybe a little longer than I wanted to, but maybe that was like five minutes of sharing your testimony. So you articulate your story. What was your life like before Christ? You can read, if you're, you're, you're wanting to know more about this, read Acts chapter 22. Read Acts chapter 26. The Apostle Paul shares his testimony in both of those chapters. I was a Jew from Tarsus of Cilicia, and I was persecuting the, the way, the Christians, Dragging them off, killing them, right? And then we know he got knocked off his high horse on the way to Damascus to go kill more Christians. And God brought Ananias when, after he was blinded on that road. And he, Ananias shared the gospel with him. Scales fell from his eyes, and he got saved. And then Paul, we know, went out and planted many churches and probably the greatest Christian he's ever lived. Um, anyways, you can read about Paul sharing his testimony before Christ, coming to Christ, and then what's, what's life been like after Christ. So learn how to narrow it down. It's up to your discretion how much you want to share you did in your past. I know some of you maybe have a very shameful past. Uh, maybe you've done, you've had an abortion. Maybe you've done a lot of drugs and maybe you've slept around and so you don't feel caught, whatever. I'm not saying you have to be so explicit when you share, but I will say this. Paul, the apostle, does explicitly share a lot of his sins, especially when you read in First Timothy and some of his letters. He's like, I'm the chief of sinners. I was a blasphemer, persecuted church. I You know, I dragged them off to prison. I was there when Stephen was killed, the very first martyr. I was the guy where they dropped the coats in front of my feet. And so Paul doesn't really, um, I don't want to say sugarcoat things, but he's very clear. But I want to say this. When you share your sin, not that you're excited to share. Yeah, remember all those things I used to do in the past? You shouldn't be excited about it. Um, But you're, you're, you're so excited because how wicked we were, and Christ saved a wretch like me. And now I was once lost, and now I'm found. And I'm so excited to tell you how you can be found, how you can be saved, how you can be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. You ever been to like a jewelry store and they display the diamonds? They usually get the black velvet out and they put the diamonds on the black velvet, and the black velvet like really magnifies the diamond. The gospel is the diamond, it's that beautiful, precious thing the death, burial, resurrection of our Savior. But our sin is that black velvet, and it, and it makes the gospel so much prettier, more beautiful. Not saying we should keep on sinning, like Paul says, so grace may abound. But it does show how incredible God's grace is. Like, wow, you were doing that? You were sinning in that way? And God saved you and pulled you out of that lifestyle and what you were doing? Yes, yes. So my, my story is more of like a religious hypocrite. That's my story. I was more like, yeah, I'm better than that guy. I go to church. and I, I, you know, I don't cuss, really. I don't ever do drugs, never drink alcohol. I don't do, I'm a pretty good Christian guy, and I'm a good guy. And I realized I was a self-righteous, lost punk on the broad road of destruction headed to hell. And thankfully, my uncle preached the gospel and the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to that reality, and I needed to repent and trust in him to be saved. And so that's, that's the testimony. You all have a story. You all can articulate. I would love to ask somebody tonight to share yours, but I know we're really constrained for time. But learn how to share your story. Share a few upbringings, what sins you were struggling with, and uh, how you enjoyed it or whatever your life was like before Christ. And then share how you got saved. There should be a point in your life you became born again. You passed from darkness to light, from death to life. How did that happen in your life? When did that happen? Um, I know you might not know the exact day and time, and some people do. You uh, should be a general understanding. Like, I was, I was a teen- young teenager. I was whatever. I was, you know, eight years old. I was 21 years old. I was some, some point, in, and, I, and this is what happened. A guy shared the gospel with me, or he took me to church. You know, I was reading my Bible, and I just really understood. Like, I don't know the Lord, and I trusted in what the Bible said, and I got to say, whatever it is, like, that's, that's your story. But your story's powerful. Just like the woman at the well, she just got saved and didn't have any theology and went back and shared her story, and other people got saved. Just like Joe said, like there was young people the first year of being a Christian, they just go share the gospel, and I pretty much can guarantee you it's probably not that great theologically when young Christians share the gospel. And Yeah, and I'm not saying like you should know the gospel clearly. Let me be clear. We don't want to produce false converts, but I'm just saying there's this awesome excitement out of a new believer that I was once lost I'm now found. And I want to go tell people that Jesus died for me and rose again. And you can be saved too, man. It's incredible. It's a beggar who found bread who's telling other people, other beggars, where they can find bread too. That's all we are. We're messengers. Um, does anybody have a, any questions about testimony? Because I'm going to go into the other section now. Does so anybody have any questions about how to articulate your story? Okay, let's go to the other side because I want to keep moving here. I don't want people falling asleep. So before you share the good news... Before you share the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, we need to let people know in a loving way that they're a sinner. Like, oh, that's, that's not cool. That's not, I don't, I don't like that. I just want to talk about the good news, right? I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. He's gracious and kind. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> I want to do that too. But the reality is a lot of people you talk to think they're a good person. If you ask that basic question, are you a good person and are you good enough to get to heaven, if there is a heaven, most people will say, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, uh, I'm just telling you from personal experience. Like, I've gone out witnessing but many times. It doesn't matter. Uh, and most people you ask say, I'm a pretty good person, and, you know, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm pretty good if there is a heaven. That's that's the general understanding of most people. And the reason they say that is because they usually have a, a false understanding of God's judgment and about who God is. And they create their own little judgment of God, and they make an idol in their brain of who they think God is. And they also compare themselves to other people. I'm not a terrorist. I've never hurt nobody. I, I've never murdered anybody. And so they have the standard of why they're going to get into heaven. So um, when I approach somebody, I use gospel tracks a lot. So I'm going to give each one of every one of you in here some tracks. It's one of the easiest ways to get a conversation going is with tracks. I had some guys today install a new dryer in my house, and uh, you know I just gave them some tracks and say, "God, God save me from uh, my sins." And you know this this message is incredible. Please read this. I'm like, "All oh, right, okay, yeah." Um, <laughs> there's three men, like much older than me, they the car. I don't know. I hope they read it, but um, God has used. Gospel tracks to save people. Uh, I don't know if you were here when I preached a few Wednesday nights ago. There was a scuba diver, scuba diver, not diver, diver scuba diving, and he went to the bottom of the ocean found a track. And he pulled it up, dried it off, read it, got born again. And uh, he went around traveling, sharing his testimony, saying, God chased me to the bottom of the ocean to save my life. So what am I saying? The gospel is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. This has dynamite power to save the sinner, the word of God, the spirit of God, the gospel. And the Spirit of God wrote the Word of God, so that's already Spirit-filled power right there. If you understand, like Paul told Timothy, you know, Timothy, um, you've learned the holy scriptures from infancy, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And Peter says, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding Word of God. And James also says, receive with meekness the Word implanted in you, which is able to save your souls. So, the power of God is in the word of God, the gospel of God. That's where your confidence lies. That's why it's not about being a great speaker and being articulate and all that stuff. Um, what matters is I'm, I'm sharing the word of God that has dynamite power all in and of itself. It's sort of like a grenade. You don't have to tell a grenade what to do. You don't have to say, okay, you got to blow up and make sure you do a good job, okay? Like we're in, the, we're in a war right now. It's like, no, you just pull the pen and you throw the grenade and boom, goes the grenade, right? Just pull the pen. Just share the gospel and it will do its work in the heart of the sinner. Remember, God's word won't return void. It will accomplish the work for which God sent it. So I'm having full, complete confidence in the spirit-filled, spirit wrought means, which is the word of God, the gospel. So what am I saying? So if it's written on a piece of paper, if you share it, if a child shares it, if a parent swaps it, it's the power of God for salvation to those who believe. Okay. So anyways, I just want to give you encouragement. Put your confidence in the word of God and the Holy Spirit's going to help you as you're sharing the word of God. So one of the first questions i ask somebody as we start talking about God, you already gave some ideas of how to start the conversation from the natural to the spiritual, so I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm going to talk about some questions you can ask. So this is the WDJD, Ray Comfort. If you don't know Ray Comfort, you need to really, uh, what, I encourage you to watch his YouTube channel, Living Waters. Him, you guys know Easy. he's preached at our church many times, he's the, president, he's the president of Living Waters, Mark Spence. All those guys are friends of mine, and um, they you know, Ray articulates the gospel very clearly, very biblically, very well. And this is uh, called WDJD. What did Jesus do? We love WWJD. Who, he used to have those WWJD bracelets, like early 2000s. You know what I'm talking about. We all wore that. We thought it was kind of cool. Um, but Ray uses the acronym WDJD. What did Jesus do? Like, how did he evangelize? And uh, the first question with the W, if you're looking at the paper, it says, Hey, man, you know, I was just curious. Like, do you believe in an afterlife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I believe there's a God, and he's loving and cool, and he's kind, and whatever. And you say, okay, like, would you consider yourself to be a good person? And most people will say, "Yeah, I'm a good person. I'm really good." Like, oh, okay, uh, interesting. Go to the next one, D. So, do you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? You ever heard of those before? Like, God gave us His moral laws, and um, well, I don't know. Yeah, probably. Like, okay. Do you care if I take you through a few of those? Um, sure, no problem. I'm not judging you. I'm just going to ask you some questions based on the commandments, like, see if you're a good person. You care if to do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. And so you say, like, hey, you know, one of the commandments is don't lie. Like, how many lies do you think you've told since you were a kid? Um, yeah, lots of lies. And like, yeah, me too. I mean, I've lied before. So what does it make you if you tell a lie? Um, it makes me a, a sinner. Like, well, specifically it makes, makes you what? Like, makes me a, a liar. It's like, yeah, yeah, it makes us liars. You ever steal anything regardless of its value? not talking about robbing a car or, uh, I'm sorry, stealing a car, robbing a bank. I'm talking about, like, just taking something that's not yours regardless of its value. Like, do you think you've ever taken any, cheated on test in school, cheated on homework, ever? Taking something that's not yours. Oh, yeah, I think I maybe had one time when I was a kid. Okay, well, yeah, that makes us thieves, like if we steal something. I usually do th- only go through three of these. Ten is probably way too much. So in the last one, usually I'm talking to a guy, like saying, hey, you know, the Bible says don't commit adultery. And you might say, well, maybe you haven't done that. But Jesus says if you look with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You've ever looked with lust before? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course I have all the time. You're like, okay, well, you know, Jesus says it's committing adultery in the heart. So I, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying by the Ten Commandments – uh, you told me that you're a liar, you're a thief, you're an adulterer at heart. So you've broken those commandments. And like, look at Jay, judgment day, like God's going to judge the world when we die. You're going know, to judge us personally. It's appointed once for man to die. Then comes judgment. Like, do you, do you think you'd be innocent or guilty if, if God judges you by those commandments? If they're honest, they'll say, I, I, I'd be guilty, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'd be guilty. Um, and like, okay, then the last one is destiny. Where would your destination be then if, if you're judged by the commandments by God? Where would you spend eternity then? Would you go to heaven or hell? Now, this is the hard one for some people to say. Like, oh, well, uh, I'd still go to heaven. You're like, well, why, why would you say that if God judges you by the commandments? Why would you go to heaven? And they're like, well, I think God's loving and he would let me go. And usually when people say that, I say, well, well would that ever work in a court of law? Like, if it's a good judicial system and a good judge and he, and he administers justice, like, would a judge just let rape and murder go? Like, that happens all over the world all the time. It shouldn't happen. It's horrible. But we're just going to let it go. Like, you know, we'll let you go. That would be a corrupt judge, right? Like a judge, a good judge administers justice, and so God is a loving God, but He's a He's a just God, and He ministers justice. And so, according to the Ten Commandments, you would be guilty as charged, and you would you would go to hell, sadly, and that, that's separation from God for all eternity. And um, that's the destination. So, listen, you might be saying, well, "Where's this in the Bible, Josh? Like, is this really biblical? Like, using the Ten Commandments, going through the law? Like, don't to just get to the gospel?" Well, the preaching of the cross, the Bible says, is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And so we want to make the gospel make sense. And what I mean by that is the good news doesn't make sense, the death and resurrection of Christ, doesn't make sense till you hear the bad news first. It's sort of like I tell people this story. There's a guy who used to go here. His name is Bill Baugh. He's a skin doctor, dermatologist. And he was at Disneyland one time, and he, and he saw somebody who was pretty positive, had melanoma on their arm, like, the skin cancer, right, from a mole that was really discolored. And he's like, oh, we're at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. What do I want to do, go up and tell this guy his cancer? It's like, but I'm a doctor, and, like, I'm not on duty, like, working at my place, but I need to go warn this person say, hey, man, you really need to take a look at that. So he's like, oh, okay. He goes over there, taps the guy on the shoulder, I'm really sorry. This is awkward. No, we Disneyland. I'm a dermatologist. I don't do this to people, but I notice you have a nasty mole on your arm that's discolored, and I, I've treated many people with melanoma. And I would just say, you really should look at get that treated, because if you don't, um, it, it can kill you. And uh, I think the person liked to hear that from him at that time, which is sad. But um, the point is, if you keep going with that story, I'll just add on. This is not true. But it, let's say the guy said, oh, my goodness, we looked at the, this melanoma. he looks on Google, and he starts looking at discolorations of pictures of melanoma cancer. And he goes to his doctor, and he sends it to the dermatologist, and the dermatologist says, yes, you have... You have melanoma cancer. If you don't treat that within, like, six months, we cut that out of you, that, that will kill you. And so now he's terrified. He's like, well, wait, wait, wait how are we going to do that? He's like, well, just come into my office, and, you know, next week, and we'll do the uh, surgery, and it'll be taken care of, but it needs to be done immediately. And he's like, okay, I want to go do that. But what if Bill Ball came up to the guy and says, hey, good news, I'm a, I, I, I have a good news for you. We're gonna, you're going to be healed of your melanoma cancer. There's good news for you. And the guy doesn't be like, wait, what? Who are you? What are you talking? What good news? I'm fine. There's no problems with me. No, no, my cancer. What in the world? Get away from me, dude. The good news won't make sense to him until he understands his problem. He needs to have a diagnosis. He needs to know that he has a disease, and then he's going to want the cure, which is Jesus Christ. He needs to know he broke the law of God, the Ten Commandments, which brings the knowledge of sin, so he wants uh, to get saved, and that's only through Jesus Christ paying for his fine on the cross. So we need to share the bad news first so the good news makes sense. Of course you do it in a loving way, but we got to do it. The rich young ruler is a perfect example, right? The rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, he went up to Jesus. Remember, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, what do you call me good? Only God is good. And he says, you need to keep the commandments. And Jesus gives a list of the commandments. Oh, I've done all this since I was a youth. I just think it's the most hilarious answer. Really? And uh, Jesus says, it looks, Jesus looked at him with compassion, Right? And then he says, oh, you lack one thing. Go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Right? And what did he do? Did he repent and give up his love for money? No, he couldn't. And he went away sad. And Jesus did not chase him down. Jesus did not grab him and say, wait, 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 I want to get to the good news. I want to, you am the living water. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the vine, the way, the truth, the life. Please come. No, Jesus didn't do that. Until the man came to a realis- realization of his sinfulness and understanding that he's guilty before a holy God and he's not willing to repent, he's going to perish. He needs to understand he has a disease, or so it will drive him to the cure. Too many times you want to just share the cure without explaining the symptoms and the disease. And it's foolishness to those who are perishing. So the law of God, Jesus used the law of God right there with the rich young ruler. His money was his God. He was breaking one of the commandments. You shall have no other gods before me, right? He loved money. You know, in Galatians 3, it says that the, the law is our tutor. The, when I say law, by the way, i mean the Ten Commandments. The law is our tutor to bring us to Christ, our schoolmaster to bring us Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. The law of God is a mirror exposing our sinfulness. Like say I went and played football outside in the rain with Joe. Joe would crush me. And uh, we're out there, and Joe crushes me in the in the muddy grass that we're playing, and it's like dousing rain, like last week or whatever. And so I'm all muddy, and I get in my car. And i got to go home, to Joe, and get with my wife for dinner. I <laughs> blast the heater I'm driving, and then just all this mud dries on my face. It looks like this big chocolate bar, and I'm just, like, driving. And I get to my house, and I'm like, babe, I'm Krista, my wife. I'm starving, love. You know, when we got to dinner, and I, and I sit down. And I'm all muddy but dried, and my kids are like, ha, daddy looks hilarious. And uh, my wife's like, oh, my goodness, what happened to you? What were you doing? Like, oh, I was playing for a little i like, I'm great, though. Like, I'm all dried off. I'm fine. Like, can I, I'm starving. Can we eat? And my wife's like, no, we can't eat because you look pathetic. Like, you need to go wash up. You need to go wash your face. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Seriously, babe, the rain washed it off my face. I'm good. I'm, I'm not dirty. I want to eat. Can we please eat? And she, goes, she walks off, doesn't say anything, gets a mirror, puts the mirror in front of my face, and I look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I look terrible, and I'm embarrassed, and I'm like, I can't believe I didn't like, realize this. And so I go to the shower, wash off, and get cleaned up. Now, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is like that mirror. It just shows you your sinfulness. It doesn't help you. I want to be very clear. We're not telling people to keep the Ten Commandments. We're not, no one is justified by the works of the law but through faith in Christ, right? But the Ten Commandments is the purpose of the Ten Commandments is to show you you're not good enough. Do you know Romans 2 says the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is written on our hearts and our conscience bears witness? Do you know that when you take people through the law of God, their conscience is accusing them and reminding them, hey, they're in third grade you cheated on that test in school? Ding, ding, ding. Little Jiminy Cricket. Hey, remember that time you lied about this and you tried to get away with it? You know, ding, ding, ding. Remember that time you lusted and did that? Remember that ding, ding, like, And the conscience is going off and, as, as the law of God has been shared with the sinner. And it says the law of God silences the mouth and leaves the whole world guilty before God. The law is our tutor. It helps us to show us our sinfulness, but it can't save. It doesn't save. That's not its purpose. It's that mirror to show me, oh, my goodness, I'm dirty, I'm wretched, I'm pathetic, and i i don 't take the mirror and start rubbing my face with the mirror, right the mirror doesn 't clean me right the Ten commandments doesn 't clean me. I go to Jesus Christ, the living water, and put my trust in him, and the blood of Christ cleanses me all of my all my sins as I trust in him. Does that make sense? So the law is used to expose our sin, and that 's the purpose of it that 's the use of it. We see it throughout the gospels Any time you see Jesus talking to prideful people he 's using the law of God even even the good um, sorry even the uh, woman. At the well, he exposes her sin of adultery. She's been living in all these adulterous relationships. She's had five husbands, and this one I'm living with is not my husband at all. She's living in sin, and he points it out to her. Even when Paul goes to Mars Hill, and there's all these idols everywhere, he, he has a good method in talking initially and, and engaging with them. saying, so, oh, I notice you're very religious man, and I notice this inscription to an unknown God here, and he starts talking to them. He's having a conversation. And then he does expose. He's like, this is not the way to serve the living God by worshiping idols. Right? There's a day when God will judge the world in righteousness through Christ. And he's given proof of this by raising him from the dead. And so my point is this. The law of God is used for the proud of heart. You talk to who's proud of heart. Someone who says I'm a good person. Now, every once in a while, you're going to get somebody like the woman caught in the act of adultery in John 8, who is totally broken by their sin. That's happened with me a few times. I've talked to somebody like, are you good enough? Are you going to go to heaven? No, I'm, I'm wretched. If there is a heaven and hell, I'm going to hell. I know that. That's happened a few times if there's somebody like that, you don't go through the commandments. They already are very convinced of their sin and their guilt. So you go right to the gospel. Guess what? God loves you. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You can quote John 3:16 and Romans 5, 8. And, right? And, and you need to just turn from your sins and trust in Christ alone, and you'll be born again. He will save you. He will adopt you into his family. And you can be forgiven, go to heaven, have a relationship with Christ if you trust in him. So he shared the good news. So it's law to the proud, grace to the humble. It's good to know Bible verses. I already said this. I'm I'm pretty much done. Um, No verses. Like I said, there's the Romans Road. Like the Romans Road is important to know. Like Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9 and 10. That's the classic Romans Road verses. No scriptures. John 3.16. There's power, remember I said, in the word of God to do its work in the sinner's heart. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes through the word of Christ. So sharing the gospel Enables the sinner to appropriate their faith and the truth of the gospel so they can get saved. And the Holy Spirit works while well, that's happening. Convicts the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. And I'm sharing the good news. It's the power of God to save them. So, uh, it, yeah, that's basically it, guys. And I just encourage you, take a step of faith. Your heart's going to be beating. Your palms are going to be sweaty. You're going to have excuses floating in your head at times. That's normal. I try to go out every week to the Yorba Linda Regional Park to do street evangelism. Um, it's been a while. I need to get back. It's been a couple, few weeks. Um, but I try to do consistently going there. And every time I go there, I'm nervous. And I come up with these excuses in my brain, and there's better things to do, and, oh, what am I doing? And I drag my feet there, like Ray Comfort says, but after I share, I come clicking my heels. I'm like, this was great. This was amazing. Even when I get rejected, that's fine. I'm so excited. I have the privilege to preach the gospel. So I'm going to just open up this time, guys, for any questions for Joe and I. Um, yeah. Does anybody have any questions about anything with Beach Preach, with evangelism, or anything we talked about today?
1: Yeah, so I would say 9.30, uh, people are going to start showing up. We're going to have a time of prayer for about a half hour. And then 10 uh, o'clock is when we'll actually start. Um As far as prayer, remember in in Acts 2, Jesus had promised them that uh, if they waited there, that the Spirit of God would come upon them and make them witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And it was when they were together, praying together, 120, that the Spirit of God came on them and made them a witness there when the church started. So I'd highly recommend if you come, you know, to try to be there at 930 for the, the prayer time. Again, we're going to be right to the right of the pier. So we'll have Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim, uh, easy ups and tents. You won't be able to miss us. Yes. Yes. So there's going to be different ways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, our goal was this, is to make it where everybody could participate. You know, that's why we, we had these training sessions. So people won't be able to have the excuse of saying, hey, I don't know what to do, you know. And then hopefully we're going to have a, a wide a range of ways people that can share their faith. There'll be a prayer tent or you could pray with people. Uh, we're going to hand out food. You can be a part of that. And Tell people Jesus loves them and share the gospel with them while you're giving them a hot dog and a water or something. Uh, there'll be people doing open air preaching, sharing testimonies, uh, worship, you know, they'll play some worship songs and that'll gather a crowd, and talk to the people in the crowd. Uh, Josh will be out there with his knees better, break dancing with some of his friends. You know, people will be going out just doing evangelism one-on-one, passing out tracts, things like that. So uh, there's a wide a range or array of different ways that you could participate in this. So we want everybody to, to feel comfortable and to want to be a part of it. I would also say,
0: uh, but we're encouraging and challenging you to step out in faith and try to share with somebody. My encouragement is try to witness to one person. That's my loving challenge to try to witness to one person. It is easy to always veer to our comfort to do something else. And uh, all I'm encouraging you is the purpose, Joe and I are doing is to get the church excited, to evangelize. So it does spur off into your workplace, into your household, into your neighborhood. So we don't want this to just be a one-and-done thing. And then, oh, yeah, go back to normal life. Like We want you to see, taste and see the Lord is good. Evangelism is great because God's commission is to do it. And you start doing it, and then hopefully you take that Right home. Take that right to your neighborhood. Take that right to your workplace.
1: A lot of the tracks that are back there on that table are from Living Waters, from Ray Comfort's ministry, and if you go to his YouTube, they have specific uh, what would you call them? Uh, well, they have like a spiel or whatever that go with specific tracks. So you could take you know a variety, a variety of the tracks, go find those videos, and he'll show you how to start a conversation. Using that specific track to to talk to people, you know.
0: And you will, you will feel uncomfortable, and you're like, "I don't like that." It's like I'm just saying that's just how it is. You will feel uncomfortable, and that's where you depend on the Holy Spirit. It's like you know what? I'm gonna go by faith. Let my my love and compassion swallow all my fears. I gotta, I gotta do that because like I can't let fear win all the time, avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it. So I'm just, I'm just not saying that in a guilt way. I'm just encouraging you a little bit of loving push, loving uh, challenge. Step out in faith. And all I say is try to witness at least to one person. Take a track. Do something like go up to someone. Hey, God loves you. Would you like to take one of these? You know, just watch and see what the Lord does.
1: Also, I I would suggest if you can coming this Friday and being a part of that. Yeah. But also, if you've never done this and and you're really intimidated, find somebody that has and, and kind of mirror them for half of the time and then go try to do what you just saw, you know.
0: that's the goal. We'd like to.
1: That's the goal, you know, uh, when when, I, when we had this idea, ideally, you know, March isn't the best time to go to the beach, right? Or the summer is. That's when it's going to be the most crowded. So ideally, this is, I'm looking at kind of like the, the preseason game, you know, and I can work out some of the wrinkles and things like that, and then, you know, hopefully in the summer, I'll do it again, and you know, hopefully there'll be a lot of people that had a great experience that'll come back and tell people, hey, that was great, you know, go to the next one. So, but, but our heart is, it, it, I want to make this extremely clear, it, it, it's its not about this event. It, it really isn't. It's about our hearts and, and, and getting our hearts excited about being ambassadors for Christ, getting our hearts excited that, hey, we get to do what Jesus has commissioned us to do, and we can do it, and then it's happening uh, every day. If you participate in this, if you by faith come and part, I guarantee it will change the way that you look at the world. It will change the way that you live your life. You'll have a a new purpose to live by. Every day, you'll you'll look at every day completely different. You'll look at every day as an opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ, to, to represent Christ, to tell somebody about Christ to, you know, to, to possibly change someone's eternal destiny. You know, now going to work isn't, you know, I got to go to this place, and gotta, you know, be there for nine hours. And, you know, no, now you, you go there and it's like, hey, I got to, I, I to tell people about who the Savior is. I, I have a purpose for being there <laughs> now, besides just, you know, being able to provide a home or, or whatever. So I, I, I highly, highly encourage you guys to, to to step out and 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 to try. And I guarantee you, God will meet you. And yeah, you might mess up, but that's okay. God knows how to correct your mistakes. You know? You don't uh. learn how to fish
2: when you go fishing. Yeah. You can read about fishing all you want. Read about a fishing book and a brewer, or a bait, and a pole. You gotta go in the water. And it, it, it doesn't matter if you get the bait and you in the or you go into the water, you're fishing. I'm just saying, same basket. Yeah, so learn, sure, i actually got to go well, right? yes
1: yeah, go for a Josh. Uh, no worries yeah
2: my okay. okay. tracks so Amen. Yeah. Afraid to that,
1: I amen. Yeah. Remember, our job, our job is to be faithful with the message. That, that, that's all that we're going to be judged on. How faithful were you with the message that God gave you? He's implanted the gospel message in each one of us, right? The question is. How faithful with it are we going to be? Are we going to be like the one, that, the guy that got the one talent and one meaner that just went and hid that message because they were afraid? And then the master returned and we didn't have anything to show for that message that the, the Lord put in us. Remember what happened to that guy that, that didn't do anything with it? right? So the question is, you know, how faithful, how faithful are we going to be? Are we going to trust God that he knows how to save people? Our job is just to share the message. You know, any other questions? All right. Yeah, get some cookies on the way out. Let me pray for us and, and we can close it. God, uh, we do thank you. We thank you that you saved us, Lord. I thank you that each one of us has a testimony. We were once blind and now we see. You know, we were uh, sinners. We were hostile. We were enemies of yours. And you've translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved son, Lord, yeah. We were darkness, now we are light in you. We thank you for that, Lord. Uh, but there's a whole lot of people out there that, that need you, that, that need to hear the gospel message, Lord. So I pray that you would fill us, you would empower us, you would equip us, you would uh, help us to remember your word and articulate it, Lord. And just lead us the people to people to share that message with, Lord. I pray that you do big things. a beach preach, Lord, but I pray you do bigger things in our heart. I pray that we would live with a new purpose, a new sense of urgency of sharing you, Lord, and we just can't wait to see what you're going to do. We trust that you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could ask or think, Lord. And So we give you that permission, and we're just excited to see you move. So be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.